Mario Andrew Garson, a man who was once labeled a public relations guru in Hollywood, was indicted on two counts of wire fraud last year, and now the PR agency he previously worked for is suing him for $10 million, claiming some of that stems from money owed to stars like Megan Fox and Mindy Kaling. Access legal expert Allison Friesel breaks down this very wild story. All right, Allison, this next case uh, hits a little close to home. Jerry, this guy's got some claiming to do, okay? Yeah. This guy, he was in the top 40 of 40 professionals in PR magazine. If these allegations are true, he doesn't just have his hand in the cookie jar. He's got his whole body inside the Christmas cookie jar, Jerry. He allegedly started stealing from the first PR company that he worked at, in 2013 and continued till he left there in 2018 and then joined another PR company in 2018. And what he did was that he would inflate his bills. He would take money and fictitiously give invoices. He would fraudulently bill the company for charges that never happened. And it was a Ponzi scheme because he would take in money to pay back money that he owed to his prior PR firm. Oh my and he just kept it going and kept it going to the tune of about $2,500,000. Yeah. It includes, Jerry, taking money that belonged to Megan Fox and Mindy Taylor. Wow. Such famous faces, you know, really big names. He allegedly promised Mindy Kaling in excess of $1.75 million on a ad campaign that the company never authorized or endorsed. As to Megan Fox, it's about $450,000 allegedly that the PR firm owes her for services rendered. The criminal allegation is that it was a mix of greed and a Ponzi scheme, and he just kept it going and kept it going until... Wow. But criminal charges, though, what is he facing right now? So there is a federal indictment against him, Jury, for two counts of wire fraud. For each of those counts, it's a maximum of 20 years in prison. Mm. So here's the thing. This PR guru who put his whole body into the cookie jar, not just his hand, oh, he probably, if convicted, he's going to have a long time in custody to think about whether he should have played the shell game with these celebrities. Garson has pled not guilty to the criminal charges. That case is still pending. As for the new lawsuit, his attorney tells us, we will be filing papers with a court denying the allegations of the complaint. We will, of course, continue to follow it. Shit. All right, Surrey, let's move on to Matthew McConaughey. He's got a New York Times best-selling book out. It's called Green Light. It's a great read full of personal and professional highs and lows. Now, Matthew reveals that after becoming a star doing rom-coms with Tyler, he had to fight for that big dramatic role that earned him the Oscar back in 2014, Dallas Buyers Club. At that time when he took the movie that won you the Oscars, you were being offered $14 million. What rom-com was it? Because I love doing all the rom-coms. What did you turn down? Money wasn't what was motivating Matthew when he decided to stop doing rom-coms. They were easy for him. He was looking for new challenges, dramas. I wanted to find something that made me sweat in my boots, something that I'm like, oh, I don't know what I'm going to do with this role, but I'm going to dive in.
testify the grandkids are loving their grandparents as Mr. and Mrs. Claus in the new holiday movie, The Christmas Chronicles 2. <laughs> Welcome to the North Pole. Yeah. And then they get them to the
what we're doing away with the Friday gift. It's not just my petition, it's also finding something I can do with my grandkids. David has put his own touch on classic Disney attractions like Sleeping Beauty's Castle, the Matterhorn, and Winnie the Pooh. Bought a little uh, playhouse and then populated that with uh, the Winnie the Pooh characters, put on motors, and I wrote a poem about the story. But uh, Winnie is something, as the kids grow older, they'll won't lose interest in. So that's when we started thinking about the roller coaster. So we sort of gave it a Matterhorn theme, had a little Matterhorn mountain with Yeti in there with motors in it. I bought a swing set that had a disc instead of swings. And then I built a Millennium Falcon spacecraft around that swing set. David's newest ride is Mickey's Safari, which was designed by his eight-year-old granddaughter, Ruby. It's like a jungle cruise, except you drive through it on a, on a cart. If you want to bond with your grandkids, I found the best way is to do something with them. <laughs> Tonight on the NBC4 News at 11, the IQ man says... Every morning online, you could see him there whine. He stood six foot three and weighed 239, kind of broad at the tummy and padded at the hip. And everybody knew he had to get a grip. Diaper Don. Diaper Don. Diaper Don. Diaper Don. Nobody seemed to know when Don would go home, though his wife was crated up and packed in styrofoam. He wouldn't shut up about Pennsylvania now, and every time he loses, he has himself a cow, Diaper Don. <laughs> Somebody used that hashtag that weekend, saying it was fairly clear that he was wearing some Depends, and a crash to his ego caused a late-night rant, so everybody know about the padding in his pants, Diaper Don. Diaper Don. Diaper Don. Diaper Don. From his tiny desk, he put out a big tweet. And the coal miner said, Biden, he's a big cheat. And 80 million people put his hopes in the grave. And now there's only one who thought it was a close shave. And that's Don. <laughs> With lawyers and stories, they'd start that defense. Then came that rumble from Fox and Friends. And as power and billionaires started to whine, everybody knew it was the end of the line, except Don. Diaper Don. Diaper Don. Diaper Don. Now they never renominated that worthless twit. They just put a marble stand in front of that shit. These few words are written on that stand. At the bottom of this butt lies a big, big diaper, man. <laughs> diaper Don. 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 Calling for his political enemies to be investigated, charged with crimes, and of course, locked up. It's just awfully good that someone with the temperament of Donald Trump is not in charge of the law in our country. Because you'd be in jail. Secretary Clinton. But the moment Trump steps down, 
he loses the special protection from federal criminal indictment that's reserved only for the president. And prosecutors are already sifting through the big pile of evidence that independent legal experts say ranges from questionable to damning. The thing is, if they decide it warrants an indictment, that's not just Trump's problem. It's future President Biden's problem, too. He's staking his presidency on healing a divided nation. And if the 70 million people plus who voted for his opponent see their guy getting thrown in the clink, they might not take that well. Lock them all up. Biden says the decision will be made by an independent attorney general. I will not interfere with the Justice Department's judgment of whether or not they think they should pursue the prosecution of anyone that they think has violated the law. But I also Including a former president. It depends on what happens. But a decision not to prosecute in the name of national unity raises a different problem. It puts Trump and any former president above the law. That might encourage future presidents to lean into their worst instincts, break rules, commit crimes. Plenty of former prosecutors, including the vice president-elect, say that any fair-minded official would likely come to the same conclusion on Trump. Prosecute. I believe that they would have no choice and that they should, yes. But the next attorney general would only have a say in what federal prosecutors do. State prosecutors get to make their own call, including the Manhattan District Attorney, Cy Vance who's already probing Trump's financial affairs. His prosecutors have fought to the Supreme Court to look at Trump's tax returns. They seem to be going deep into Trump's business history and potential campaign finance issues. Trump's former attorney and fixer, Michael Cohen, has said Trump directed him to make illegal hush money payments to women who say they slept with Trump. Neither the White House nor Trump's company returned to press for comment. Cohen's also claimed that the Trump family business fiddled with the valuations of its assets for insurance and tax purposes. There are also civil cases. E. Jean Carroll, a former magazine columnist, is suing Trump for defamation, for denying her allegation that he raped her. And 1,000 former prosecutors say that former special counsel Robert Mueller's final report presents enough evidence for a federal indictment against Trump for obstruction of justice. Remember, Mueller's team didn't reach a final decision about whether Trump broke the law because it's DOJ policy that a sitting president can't be indicted anyway. This raises speculation that Trump might try to pull a Richard Nixon and resign early, and then get a preemptive pardon from his future former vice president, Mike Pence. But that wouldn't save Trump from the Manhattan prosecutor, who's investigating potential state crimes. Whatever happens, when you ask former prosecutors about this, they say if anyone is going to charge the president of the United States for the first time in our history, the case has got to be airtight. You'll have to be ironclad, because otherwise we'll be playing right into the president's narrative that the Democrats have sought to undermine democracy, not to support it. We're in a really difficult spot because if prosecutors decide to pursue a case against him, they run the risk of falling right into his narrative that this is a witch hunt, that this is people who are after him, who've always been after him. On the other hand, if we don't prosecute him, then we are running the risk of, um, of defines very central principle that no man is above the law. Trump is still the loudest voice in his party, and he's likely to remain a potent political force for years to come. Even becoming a convicted felon would not, technically speaking, prevent him from running again in 2024. And now that Florida has given convicted felons the right to vote again, he could even vote for himself.
could see him there whine. He stood six foot three and weighed 239, kind of broad at the tummy and padded at the hip. And everybody knew he had to get a grip. Diaper Don. Diaper Don. Diaper Don. Diaper Don. Nobody seemed to know when Don would go home, though his wife was crated up and packed in styrofoam. He wouldn't shut up about Pennsylvania now, and every time he loses, he has himself a cow, Diaper Don. Somebody used that hashtag that weekend, saying it was fairly clear that he was wearing some Depends, and a crash to his ego caused a late-night rant, so everybody know about the padding in his pants, Diaper Don. Diaper Don. tiny desk he put out a big tweet and the coal miner said biden he's a big cheat and 80 million people put his hopes in the grave and now there's only one who thought it was a close shave and that's gone with lawyers and stories they'd start that defense then came that rumble from fox and friends and as power and billionaires started to whine everybody knew it was the end of the line except don diaper don That worthless twit, they just put a marble stand in front of that shit. These few words are written on that stand. At the bottom of this butt lies a big, big diaper, man. Diaper Don. Diaper Don. Diaper Don. Diaper Don. Diaper Don. its billionaires list, the U.S. President Donald Trump had slumped a few positions. Okay, a little more than a few. He tumbled 222 places to be exact. But while uh, his wealth has shrunk, it seems his fans have done the opposite. Don't worry, the explanation is coming up. There's been talk about his hair, his diet, his handshake. But the focus is now on his pants. Recently, Vanity Fair magazine ran a headline asking just what is going on with Trump's pant legs? And by the looks of it, it's a fair question. On Easter Sunday, this picture went viral because of Trump's pants. Big, they look wide, and they've sent Twitter into overdrive. In the past, President Trump has claimed that he gets Brioni suits off the rack. The lowest priced Brioni suit will set you back by 6,000 US dollars. So it's safe to assume an off the rack suit can run into five figures. Is the president averse to shelling out the extra cash for good tailoring? Or is 
possibility perhaps competing with the North Korean leader Kim Jong-un to prove that his pants are the widest of them all. But Trump's flappy pants have many scratching their heads. Are they looking wider because his height's taken a hit? Or is the issue a weightier one? There was a time when they fit him better, at his presidential inauguration, for instance. And even more recently. The verdict isn't in yet. In the meantime, the jokes are abounding. Some wondering if Trump's advertising the American brand J&Co, known for their ultra baggies. Whether it's his concern for the great American economy, or just plain old lazy dressing, Trump's Easter Sunday pick has far from charm the pants off social media. Viewer report, we are. director he's the press secretary he's the chief of staff and so that's all him he's decided to put that out uh, he thinks that's helping him uh, he can't do rallies right now uh, and so that is a 46 minute rant uh, to people that follow him on Facebook and around social media now he's got 200 plus million people sir Lena so it's like two times the Super Bowl audience uh, he's trying to reach those people. He's trying to raise money from those people, grift those people. And, uh, yeah, but that's all him. I don't, I don't think anybody in the White House came up with that idea. I wonder if he had to set up the tripod for the camera and everything himself. <laughs> that's just funny. No, I'm, uh, sure that they're, I'm sure they're doing um, that, in that for <laughs> yeah. I, I was almost kidding. Almost. Um, in that video, he said, quote, I hear that the same people who failed to get me in Washington have sent every piece of information to New York so that they can try to get me there. We're going to discuss all of the reporting around pardons uh, with our next guest, Melissa Murray. But how much is the threat of legal action weighing on the president um, in your view? Because I feel like he's trying to keep up a charade for a reason. Well, listen, I mean, it's just my personal opinion. He thinks in very small time increments. So he's trying to survive the next several days. He's not thinking about the next several weeks even. Uh, he's hoping there's still some kind of Hail Mary or some type of machination that could keep him in the White House. I think it's becoming clear to him that that's not going to be the case. And so he's now testing the whole pardon theory, pardoning the kids and potentially even pardoning okay. himself. Now, I, I said from day one, He's going to pardon himself because he doesn't see that as having any downside to him. Uh, what's the worst that could happen? The pardon's not upheld for some reason. But if the pardon's upheld, he's completely exonerated from whatever illegal activity that he perpetrated inside the White House. And so uh, he'll, he'll, he'll remember, though, the guys about this thing will be that our justice system is unfair and our justice system is partisan. Frankly, our justice system is the way that he would like it to operate if he ma maintained himself as president. And so he forgets the impartiality of the justice system and the objectivity 
And so that's going to be the position he's going to say to all of his acolytes, I'm pardoning myself because there's a unfair accusations that are going to be coming at me from my political adversaries. Do you think that argument will work for the other people that are listed, you know, in terms of this conversation? You mentioned that he is only trying to get through the next couple of days. But is Jared Kushner thinking about future legal issues or Ivanka, who's under investigation as a part of the Trump Organization investigation in New York? I mean, I feel like Donald Trump may be, you know, singularly focused on his own personal brand. But I feel like Ivanka, Jared, Eric, Donald Trump Jr., they might you know, have a thought about these investigations that are out there that could happen when their dad leaves the White House? Well, I don't know their political ambitions, uh, but I will say this. If they accept a pardon from their dad, I think it's going to extinguish their political ambitions. And so uh, they, I think they have to weigh that calculus. Uh, could they negotiate out of the problems that they have? Uh, you'd have to tell me if their problems are civil or are they criminal, and if they're of the criminal nature, are they misdemeanors or felonies? If they're felonies, uh, and they know that they're going to be held guilty for those felonies, they will likely accept the pardon, but concomitant to that acceptance, Orlina, I think it extinguishes their ability to run for office. Now, they may not think that, uh, but there are 10 or 12 people in the Republican Party right now that are contemporaries of theirs that look in the mirror every single day and see a future president, and so those people are going to start to do their very best starting on January 21st to undermine Trumpism, uh, and they become less powerful on that debt. So a pardon, I think, is a big blow to their political careers. I didn't think of it that way, but that's a really good point, and I hope I hope maybe they're thinking that through all the way, uh, if they do have those ambitions. Uh, for someone that seems well, so me, concerned with one his more point, own though, personal image and brand... Oh, yeah. Go ahead. So just remember, remember, if they're pardoned, they can be brought to, to a trial, and then they have to speak under oath about the crimes that they potentially committed. So you just have to think about how damaging that would be to a forward political career. They can't plead the fifth after they've been pardoned. Absolutely. Right. That is correct. Um, in terms of uh, Donald Trump, he, he primarily focuses on his brand and his image. That's how we got here. Um, and at the late stage of his uh, tenure here, it doesn't seem he's caring that he's caring that much about his legacy. He's making some moves, but how do you square his obsession with his brand and sort of this, you know, ranting person on Facebook that we just saw? Well, he says privately very often that I could care less about my legacy. I mean, who cares? I'm going to be dead. And so that's why I'm saying that his decision-making is very short-term and it's somewhat short-sighted. I don't think he's ever really thinking about his legacies, Erlina. What he's thinking about is his survival. He's thinking about how to maximize income off of what he's doing. And he's thinking about positioning, using his manipulation skills to as manipulate as many people as possible. And so, uh, you know, what I, I just want to uh, peg on something that Mary Trump said in your previous segment, because I totally believe her on this. This is absolutely devastating to the guy. This is absolutely humiliating. Don't underestimate how much humiliation and pain he's in right now. Uh, and I think that carries over to January 21st. There could be a steady slope there uh, of dissent for Mr. Trump that people are not fully baking into their calculus about his future. 
Well, when I lose, I cry. Do you think Donald Trump cried at all? No, I mean, he's not the type of guy that cries. I mean, there's a lot of in, internal crying going on, though. I mean, there is a tremendous amount of self-loathing there, and there's a lot of insecurity, and it's sad sometimes. You know, I, I don't want to demonize the president, and I don't want to make this overly personal. It's just that he was just not fit for that job. You know, again, if you read Mary's book, she lays out for you the personality characteristics and the intellectual vacuousness of Donald Trump, and he's clearly was not fit for the job. And for those of us who supported him in 16, we made a mistake. And thank God the American people spoke. Remember, he never got above 47% in either of these two elections. And the American people resoundingly voted him out of office. Uh, And and five states flipped. So if he's talking to his Republican friends about being the party's nominee next time, he can't win a plurality of the American people. He's proved that twice now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's a really, really good point to end on. Anthony Scaramucci, thank you so much for joining me again tonight. For some more analysis now, I'm joined by MSNBC contributor Governor Howard Dean, former governor of Vermont, also the former DNC chairman. Uh, governor, nice to see you again. Thanks, Kate. Uh, last night, a lot of people were tweeting all about the same thing when they were watching the debate. It had nothing to do with Donald Trump and what he was saying, but it was what he was doing. I know you noticed this, too. He was sniffling. I want to play uh, just from the first answer in last night's debate. Here's how it went. She's in deep trouble. We don't have agreement. It's said, OK, good. I want the agreement's better. The bigger numbers than ever. So following a bunch of sniffles, Governor Dean, you wrote on Twitter, notice Trump sniffing all the time. Coke user? Why did you go there? Well, you can't make a diagnosis over the television. I would never do that. But he has some interesting... That is actually a signature of people who use cocaine. I'm not suggesting that that Trump does, but... Well, you are suggesting it, actually, in a tweet. No, I'm suggesting we think about it, because here's the interesting constellation. So he sniffs during the during the presentation, which is something that users do. He also has grandiosity, which is something that accompanies that problem. Uh, he has delusions. I'm not talking about being crazy, but for example, uh, when he told everybody he was very smart not to pay taxes and then denied he said it after he said it in front of 100 million people, it's not that he's delusory about it. It's that he thinks somehow he's not going to get caught. That is delusional. Uh, he has trouble with pressured speech. Uh, he interrupted, as you pointed out, Hillary Clinton 29 times. He couldn't keep himself together. So, look, I, do I think at 70 years old he has a cocaine habit? Probably not. But, <laughs> you know, it, it's something that I, I think it would be interesting to ask him and see if, if he ever had a problem with that. So as a, as a physician and as a, 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 a medical person yourself, you're suggesting that we ought to look at whether the Republican candidate for president has a cocaine habit. No, I don't think he has a cocaine habit. I, but again, I don't make any diagnosis over the television. I don't. I think that's wrong. I think doctors shouldn't do it. Doctors have done it in the past, and they shouldn't do it. But I just was struck by the sniffing and then by his behavior, uh, which all sort of came together, these four symptoms, 
Uh, you know, do I think he has a cocaine habit? I think it's unlikely that you could mount a presidential campaign at 70 years old with a cocaine habit, but it was pretty striking. This is reminding me a, a lot, sir, of Rudy Giuliani a few weeks ago raising very, not similar, but different questions about medical history and your candidate, Hillary Clinton, to which your campaign responded, this is inappropriate, that we shouldn't be raising questions about Hillary Clinton's health with absolutely no substance or proof. You don't well, see the parallel? Well, Donald Trump has not only not made his tax returns public, he's also not made his medical history public in any, any meaningful way. Hillary Clinton has done that and has answered any question that Giuliani may want to raise. What if a Trump supporter had suggested that Hillary Clinton was using drugs last night? I suspect that she would have said, no, I'm not, and here's my medical report that shows so. So you're saying Donald Trump should answer your question? I know. What I'm saying is I raised the question last night. Uh, do I, I don't make diagnoses on the television. I think you can't do that. It's medically improper, and I don't think you should. Um, but I don't think this is a ridiculous idea. Something funny was going on with Trump last night. Do I think it was a cocaine? Probably not. But, you know, again, the sniffling, the grandiosity, the delusions, uh, the pressured speech. You know, this guy has already proven himself to be unstable. The question is, why is he unstable? You're not going to delete the tweet, you're not going to, you don't regret it, no. and you don't apologize for it, is that right? No, absolutely right. Let me move on. Uh, I want to play you something that Donald Trump said last night. He made this point several different times about your candidate, about Hillary Clinton. Take a listen. Hillary, I just ask you this. You've been doing this for 30 years. Why are you just thinking about these solutions right now? For 30 years you've been doing it, and now you're just starting to think of solutions. Well, actually, I will bring, excuse me, I will bring back jobs. You can't bring back jobs. Well, actually, um, I have thought about this quite a bit. Yeah, for 30 and years. I have, uh, well, not quite that long. Uh, I think my husband did a pretty good job in the 1990s. And then Donald Trump reiterated that this morning, Governor Dean writing, Hillary's been failing for 30 years and not getting the job done. It will never change. His point that she's had the time to make change and she hasn't. Your response? Most of what he says is untrue, as, as, as much as what he says in the campaign trail. For example, I'll tell you some things he said that were untrue. He said oh, a whole lot of jobs from Mexico. Welcome to the Whole Bishes. I am Rob Sprantz. I am Chris Fortney. I'm Franco Del Valle. I'm Lauren Levine. Boy, am I excited for this. I have been waiting all week for this. We are joined by Noel Kassler, who uh, is currently blowing up at the moment. Jo welcome, Noel. Hey, thanks, Rob. Thanks, guys. I'm happy to be here. Yeah, so, um, so for those of you who don't know Noel, um, he worked for Trump. Uh, for celebrity, sorry, who did he work for? <laughs> Donald Trump. <laughs> Doesn't ring a bell. <laughs> he, Never worked, heard of. he worked for him on Celebrity Apprentice, the beauty pageants. Um, 